Oh, and it doesn't have to be. Good. No, yeah. it's not complicated. No. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Dennis, <laughs> how is your week going now that we're 2021 already? We are we are laughing out loud, so it's all is well for this particular moment. This is a little getaway from the reality of well, I'm now on five waiting lists for the vaccine. Nice. And My folks we'll just see. got their second dose today. So. And that's great. That's great. Several people I've talked to get sick after their second dose, so I have to listen in on that. Yep. But Pa's still hanging in there. Grandma having passed tragically right. some time ago. He's hanging in there and understands everything that has happened. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. He's eating. He's being returned maybe back to more general care because he's strengthening. He's eating more. But, uh, you know, there's when you're 90 plus. And, you when know, you're 90 plus and lose, your, Stuff the, stops working. and lose your spouse. Like yeah. losing your spouse it's, has got to be horrible, obviously at any age. But sixty-nine years of marriage. Jesus, he was married. Maybe five that's long enough. Long. Right. He was married five times as long as he wasn't. Damn, that's a stat right there. I just came yeah. across. I just passed that I've known my wife for longer than I hadn't. Yes, my wife is bless her heart is holding up well and caring, and it's difficult because there's no time to grieve, particularly and right. But anyway, there's more we could say about that. But uh, it's it's interesting. Things are starting to move in the right direction. Well, except for those nasty new strains. Yeah. Coming out of uh, where? South America, perhaps. And There's one out of Britain. Uh, yeah. Yeah, one out of Britain, for sure. <clears throat> and the thing is how the coronavirus looks with the little red trumpet-like things sticking out all over it, orange. Right? Who doesn't know that? Who that doesn't know that? Image. This one looks like that, except it's got wild blonde hair coming out of every spore. So it's taken on a unique Whoa. kind of, uh, yeah. It's sort of like, it's uh, like the blonde coronavirus. You know, right. Not only did he catch it, but they caught him. And now look what's happened. Oh, no. So it's going to be called the, uh, the new PM strain. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that sucks. Remains to be seen. So my kids this week are, because they can't celebrate their annual, their annual carnival celebration, which I often miss because I'm in the States for seeing my pals. But so this year, not only am I, is my trip to the States canceled, but they can't really do their thing where they all dress up and they parade around town. So uh-huh. they're doing this and great on the organizers and the principal and stuff. Uh, they're doing this thing where each day they have to, they are invited to do a fun thing. Like uh, one, fun. one day they came to school in their pajamas. Yeah. And another day, they today they went to school with their clothes inside out, <laughs> and just all these stupid things that are <laughs> like that are that are like that, that aren't that hard to do, but are the the seeds of nightmares in the future where you end up being where you find yourself in school in your pajamas and no one else is, or with your clothes inside out or no one else is. It's just these little like it's the stereotypical nightmare scenario. And then there was another day where they had to go with really crazy hair, uh-huh. like spiky hair or wild ponytails and stuff. So. It, that's how they're celebrating this time, To Obviously, before we give up all of those shenanigans for Lent to, I don't know. Carnival is a thing that has gone uh-huh. past its origins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's some and of these things we'll see whether they ever come back the way they were. I've been watching as Watch Your Honor, which we'll talk later when I'm more disgusted in, in, in my outlook. Right. But a shot in New Orleans, and in very many places I've been, it's at the end of the world, it's a pretty big city, but... There's some really iconic places and some places that are exceptional. And, for example, the scene where he's making a little blink in his eyes and being all cute with the 
fucking sister of the fucking kitty murdered. Right. And they're in a cafe that's showing all these, it's shaped like a pie and they're shooting so you can see the back windows. Not only have I been there many times, I've sat at that particular place and worked nice. for hours, had meetings. I was been in the place for hours. Very so cool. when they shoot in it, so I'm thinking about all that. And then I'm thinking about New Orleans and thinking, oh my God, here's the latest news report. The places where I frequented, okay, Frenchman Street and Bourbon Street a little bit, but mostly Frenchman, is that everything closes at 10 o'clock. You can't take your drinks outside anymore. It's so subdued, but they're open, and it's just so different, you know. And, of course, the musicians are starving. It's interesting, interesting I didn't hear about that piece of it, but the article wasn't about that. It was about this other thing. But, man, things are different. I've seen some fundraisers about, like, yeah. support your support your local musicians, where yeah. you where the idea is you just give money into this fund and the musician and the musicians have to you know pass some sort of thing to qualify to funds, but but it still it, it does take, yeah. a couple times on watching your honor I paused it uh, when there was a when there was a street sign where you know this yeah. street crosses this street and I went to Google Maps and pulled up a street view to yeah. look around in there uh -huh. kind of fun. What's interesting I caught today was that the the first scene they showed I knew where it was and it was this cafe. That's near the museum in the city park where I've lived for a while. I transformed a buddy's uh, back door room, which was a bedroom, an extra bedroom, but you could get in it from the back, mm -hmm. walk around the house, your own key. And we just blocked off the door to the rest of the house, and I turned it into a one-bedroom all-together deal. Hot top, played, and computer, and printer, and bed, and chair, and little refrigerator, and whatever. And uh, so this cafe like was there. Room. But then, yes, I think better than a dorm room, but <laughs> yes. With a deck right out the door, so that oh, was wow. nice. Okay. Anyway, then the next scene was shot. As if they just walked out of the cafe. Yeah. And, oh, and that's not where the cafe is. <laughs> you just moved to downtown and no. And the transit. And of course, if you knew anything about it, well, as it would be. But it's just another example of, and I don't mind that so much. I mean, for the. Sure. For the, it happens know, on all great. the programs that's that we fine. watch. Yeah. And that's acceptable stuff to me. But, but it was interesting to miss those places and not really want to be there right now because I know how terribly disappointing it would be. You want to be there back then or in the future? Not, yeah. Well, or in the future when it's better than now, but. Unlike the people who are there, I'm not going to have any context within which to appreciate them. Because with them, what they are saying is, oh, my God, I get to go inside the cafe until 10. Oh, I get to go hear music again until 9 o'clock at night. That's, oh, my God, finally, we've got back to that. I don't have that history. So all I can be is bummed out. I'm not right. going to say, oh, this is so much better than for you, I don't know what it was. For you, it's a restriction. Right? And for them, it's a liberation. Yes. Yes. From our perspectives, our historical perspectives. Right. Yeah. For theirs current, mine not at all. So, in an hour and a half, my little village is going to be taken out of lockdown, which means that there will no longer be police at the roads leaving town stopping people. Jesus Christ. It's it's like fucking martial law. and It is exactly martial yeah, law. Yeah. It's not like. It's your government and their military power. Right. Doing what they're empowered to do in your government. Sure. And they and also bars will be able to open to serve to people outside. For two weeks now, we have been in a state where even that was closed. Yeah. And so last Saturday, it was rainy and cold and shitty. And when we looked up the day after at the mountains, there was lots of fresh snow up there. We didn't get any down here. It was just shitty cold rain. But the Sunday after, it was a sunny day, as the name implies. And... It was crazy how many, like everyone, because also a lot of the people in my town, I think on normal weekends, I think a lot of them aren't from here and they travel 
home or to their parents' house or whatever for the weekend. But with the restrictions... Might as well, because there's nothing to do here. Right. With the restrictions, everyone's locked in. And so the areas where you can walk on the outskirts of town were just jam-packed with people. And on in the inside of town where all the bars are and, and shops and things were, was just a ghost town. It was so weird. Like the town had been inverted. Normally, like in Spain, as I'm sure I've mentioned before, we have this huge bar culture where... Because our houses are so tiny, everyone goes out to socialize in the bars. And our little town of 8,000 people has 40 bars. Yeah. And so, neighborhood bars. Little right. neighborhood bars. And so you go to one place, and if you like the atmosphere, you can stay there for several rounds. Or what is very common is you have a round in one bar, and then you walk to the next yeah. bar, and then you mix, you, you meet other people that are doing the opposite, the opposite direction. And yeah, bar hopping. And that's super, super common. And the norm and the it's what makes Spain. In so, a, is there a record in your town about how many bars were hopped? Oh yes, so a few. Jesus, a decade ago, there they organ the local town's uh, commerce committee or whatever organized this thing where you where the idea was to visit as many bars in a day as you could or in two yeah. days or something. And each of the bars had an official little stamp. You uh-huh, had, uh-huh. had a little card and you would uh-huh, go and, uh-huh. and get stamped at all the bars. And Were you dressed a particular way? No, it wasn't that sort of a, a thing. It was just a- Not a Santa. You could do like a Santa thing. That, you're up, that'd right? be cool. Especially- That added another layer. Right. Another layer. We had uh, we only had one guy in, in costume and he was the guy who wore the tunic that was from shoulders to knees, white tunic. Right. Which around the top of it was a string attached to a- very good magic marker and every bar the bartender who served the crowd that walked from bar to bar signed the name of the bar right and then at the end of the night you counted up the yeah and what i would love to participate okay. in earnest in one of these i could only get my family to go to so many bars uh, a day <laughs> come uh, on kid we're coming i don't care if we've been to three places <laughs> have another soda right there's so, so there's so much more to go son we have to keep going in our in our bars like your neighborhood bars ours are both social and political in the sense that people who are running for local office frequent the, the clubs we have clubs that are actually associations of ethnic groups like the the polish falcons club is the name of a club in one of our in our areas. The and people who there are all Polish, and they have a membership, and they all join. And you, and any given, they got a bar, they got a place to cook out. It's a whole building. And some of them have big extravagant stuff. Is a Italian club, German, you name it. Yeah. And as long as you're a club, you can actually not. You can say to people, no, you can't join. Right. So the clubs tend to be monolithic. I was the first non-Italian member of the Italian club, which was uh, what was it called? I remember. It. Hey, anyway, Dennis. The, the, hey, hey! I won the Muda championship and got into. It didn't turn into a fistfight because if it would have, I would have been annihilated because the guy that I beat in the Muda championship was a huge Italian guy who like wore leather, long leather coats that went below his, like to his ankles. Right. That weigh like 140 pounds, real black, slick black hair, about six foot four, fancy washes, cashmere sweaters, and real Italian. And we're playing the Muda championship and I'm a fucking German Polak. <laughs> And I fucking beat him, and he fucking knocked me down. And there was people wouldn't let us get into a fight, but thank God he was so big. But I won. So I was the first non-Italian member, and needless to say, the first Mention non-Italian that won the Muda championship. This, and I don't recall what the hell Muda is. <laughs> That's the premise. You throw out your fingers, and you predict in a shout out how many fingers total the two hands equate. Yeah. The other way to go with that is: is the sum even or odd? Where 
Yeah, that's and that's this is the same similar kind of vein, but much much different in the fact that it's an Italian, and you know, yeah. it's ooh, do tre quadro cinco, and when you get to when you get to ten, it's what is it? What's ten in Spanish again? Tell me. Diez. Diez the mudo. It's not just yeah. It's not just Diaz. It's it's yeah. a whole phrase about it. Right. And because if there's really if he put five out when you put five out and you call it, it's a huge deal. It's a, it's Italian for ten, and that's all there is. Something like that, right. or the Mont, the Big Ten, or the, the I don't know what it is. But we and there and, and when you're doing the championship, you've got twenty or thirty members who are crowded around you. So you're in what essentially is a reception sized room in a club, where the tables and chairs have been all moved away, and right in the center you got two guys, two at a time. Somebody loses another one. Somebody loses another one. They come from the crowd, but all those guys are around shouting and screaming and fucking betting and drinking and carrying on because there's money going. And, and at the end of the day, yeah, it, you're playing a third graders playground game. Yes. Yes. And in a very adult way, I must say. <laughs> hey, fuck you. Fucking Diaz de Muda. Yeah. I, maybe it's 10 to the death. I don't know. What does it mean? Diaz de Muda. If I got it right. I don't know, man. Muda sounds like know. mute. In Spain, the children say, I shit on 10. <laughs> because. I like that. that doesn't translate well into English, but I'll try it when I'm having a discussion about because it. Because the, yeah, when someone's making you an, an offer on, on something. But it's a, it's a, let me see if I can say this word right. Baudlerization. It's a, it's like going from God to gosh or damn to darn. Uh, There's a term for that uh, that will be in the show notes. That is. What do you think it is? Baudlerization. Baug like Baug, it, it's I think it's I think it's related to the bulk to the balkanization like oh, 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 oh. but it's but I don't know anyway or, or no there, there was some guy named Johann okay. Sebastian Baudler or something oh. and he came up with this anyway it, so a common swear in Spanish which to my American ears is more offensive than anything that we ever say in English. Uh, a very common Spanish swear is "I shit on God." Can can you imagine a stronger sentence? When something bad happens, it, 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 give me a context. When, when you when you thing. when you chili dip your chip shot in golf, you say "Me cago en Dios." Oh. I, I shit on God. Like right. it's the world right. has conspired against me and yeah. fuck the world. It's one of those old. It's one of those old things. I shit on God. I thought I told you, "Shaklefakulera." which is in Polish, my translation of it, which my mother used to call me. When I do something wrong, you make a fist and wave the fist at me. And I asked my Aunt Mary, who's her elder sister, was born in Paul. I said, Mary, what, what does this mean? She says, how do you say it? And I said, she says, and I said, yeah. She says, oh, Danny, that means you're the blood of a dog. <laughs> nice. That's your mother calling you the blood of a dog. That's good. That's, That's good. <laughs> but so people say uh, I shit on God me cago en Dios and the kids have learned to say me cago en Dios which it's all of it's like saying gosh darn it you take the first syllable oh. of the word and then you twist it at the end so that it's not I so see. bad and uh, it's so what is it translated to I, I go uh, to the bathroom when God is in the next room no no the, the original is I shit on God and then the kids translate it to I shit on 10 because 10 oh, that's right. okay. and, and Dios <laughs> Or start with D. <laughs> Got you. That's great. Isn't that that's good? Great. That's and, amazing. So this started by me and us talking about these bar hops. So yes. the political nature of the club, a social club and a political club, was such that when you went there, whether it's a town club, a Polish club or whatever, or the fireman's club or the, the police club or the American Legion or the Foreign Legion, 55 bars in a town of 20-some thousand people. Right. 55. 
And then three miles up in a college town, another a bunch. And there's a, a, a 50 and six or eight up in the near the college town. But the the movement of the crowd, I mean, we'd start at a bar that the guy who wore the toga, he and his brother owned. Right. And it was called Brothers. That Brothers burnt down, and they opened up another one, and they decided to call it oh, Brothers. Brothers 2. Oh. Brothers 2. <laughs> but we started there, and then we walked from bar to bar to bar to bar because it's neighborhoods. It's literally a block, two blocks, until you've walked all over town, which is four, five, six miles one way. You're going to sure. get across town. And I remember we, we as we went from place to place, the politicians would be there, like, like the ward councilman. He'd show up. We'd all walk in. He'd be there. Like, or hey, he'd Jerry. Be or he'd be surprised we'd show up. So he would end up giving the signal to the bartender. Oh, that's what I'm me. A beer was 65 cents. When if you went to a bar back in the day, it was a buck 50. A mixed drink was a buck 65 instead of five and a quarter back in the day. And so when he did that largesse, it wasn't that large, right. but it had the effect of every bar, we many bars we went to, it wasn't like, hey, let's have a beer and go. We drank there. I remember one place we went, a neighborhood bar, this poor old mama owned the bar. She lived upstairs. She turned the living room into a bar. She put her lights on the side door. We walked in. There was no furniture in the living room. Instead, her son-in-laws or whatever had built her a plywood bar, and that was in her living room. And what we discovered when we were doing one of these runs, I believe, was that the bar was not all that well connected to the floor, and we started a rocket. Oh, no. Before it was over, we pulled it right out of the floor and moved it across the room, at which she threatened to call the police and, and get the guns. It might have been a different time. But that's the kind of place that we went to. Right. I don't know if your places are so homey. We literally were drinking in people's houses. No. The places that I go are actual establishments where the bars are bolted to the floor. That's so unnecessary. It's like, why would you do all this, all this work? No, but it's... And, man, I really feel bad for the bartenders and the bar like uh, several bars have closed obviously yeah. during covid yeah. and it's just tough because i've always been curious about the financials behind the bars the local bars because i don't know there are places that do a lot more wine like f low price wine service and others that are that do like in in spain much of the wines are cheaper than the beer and the for, for a glass that's not the same size. But what temperature is your beer? Cold. When it's served. Uh, they, so the beer taps actually have uh, the condensation on the tap has frozen uh -huh. a lot of the time. Uh, so it, cold. It's, cold. it's not like a lot of European countries, correct? England has the slab. fame of the warm ale. And they will tell you, I don't have a lot of experience with that, but they will tell you that ale is not the same as lager. Lager should be cold, yeah. but ale is a different thing. Yeah and can be served more or less at room temperature. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of experience investigating, investigating that, but I would love to get more experience. Could you, if I sent you a particular shaped hat and a big curvy pipe, would that help you be motivated to begin this investigation? I, and, we, and instead of Maynard, I would. Now that you've shaved, which is rather, whew, took me by surprise again. I forgot what your full face looks like. It's whew, And since then, whew. I've only been shaving the neck. So I have this this little fuzz that's going around, and uh -huh. it took my family a week to notice that I was doing anything. But so it's I, like I, I've, I I've discovered. You. I only remind you. I see you all the time. I know your face. I've seen your beard. I'm telling you, grow a Fu Manchuie, wispy oh, mustache that dude. becomes blends into your chin whiskers, which you grow two inches long, so it looks like those beard whiskers are an extension of your mustache, which of course it is. But you get the idea. Huh. 
I saw a dude the other day who his uh, he had this really long pointed beard. It was longer than anything I've ever grown. So he probably I grew my beard longest out of a year. And this dude's been like at five, and his hair was so long that it came down to his ass. But he had put it in what I first thought was a ponytail, because when he turned his head with his big furry bearded face, the ponytail swung, and it was down to his ass. And then when he swung back the other way. I saw it was one of two, so it was pigtails. <laughs> and I thought, man, this is an old hippie. What's up, bro? Yeah, man. It's one you got one per cheek. Sitting back there. Whoa. Let's do some early David Bowie, man. That's impressive. That's dedication. Yes, yes. So back to the, the the bar hopping, as you would go from bar to bar to bar, depending on where you ended up, right? There would people buy you beer. So it wasn't like when we counted up, it wasn't like, oh, and this was the, what we had the record, which was fifty-five bars. From 2 o'clock in the afternoon to closing time at 2 in the morning. 12 hours, 55 bars. Which included a three-mile trip that somebody had to drive, and I don't know who. I know whatever. <laughs> it was highly illegal. But along the way, the brothers of the famed Brothers 2, yes. <laughs> one of who had the toga on, got into an altercation with his brother who didn't have the toga on about either the, qual- the integrity of the toga or the veracity of the entries or... Whatever, but being brothers, whatever it was, it set them off. The integrity of it. You know, and I've been into to fights with my brothers, so I know that, you know, it, it, who knows? And I got a funny story to tell you about that. But anyway, they got into a fight, so the toga, not only did the toga become ripped, but the ripped toga was an analogy to how the crowd split after that. Because there were some people who after the fight were like, oh, man, I'm too fucked up. I'm going home. I don't want somebody to punch me. The ripped toga. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but by the end of the night, episode titles here. you were at 55 bars. You probably drank over 150 beers. Whoa. And pissed, pissed three, and ate, pissed, three, and drank. There's a lot yeah. of pissing going on. So you're saying you had more than one drink at each bar? Yeah, 55 bars on average. Some places we would drink pitcher after pitcher. It wouldn't be one or two beers. It'd be five or six beers. And depending on what happens with the crowd, what a crowd of people is moving from bar to bar. The excitement ebbs and flows, and there's a certain point where you're not yet drunk, but you're becoming drunk. So you're beginning to become frivolous and louder in your actions. And so Who, me? I remember, uh, huh? <laughs> of course, we become more frivolous and more frivolous. I remember walking from one bar and had you were taken, averaging a bar every 13 minutes on average. Average, yes. So I guess there might have been somewhere you had five drinks, and another where you had one or two. We never had less than one because it wasn't allowed, but you would, so these searches would happen. So if you go to some mom and pop and you have your one, there's no jukebox, there ain't nothing going on. You got a better place up the street. You walk, you walk, bam, boom, boom. I mean, you're in an out of place in two minutes. You might even call ahead and say, we'll be there in two minutes. There's 20 of us, line them up, boom, bam, boom. But then you get to the other places, you'd walk in, there'd be a bunch of people. There'd be be music. You could be in and out in a minute. Down your pint and, and see you later. It's, you're alligator. talking 20 guys. It's not like 70. It's not 100. It's 20 guys. But anyway, leaving this Polish joint, which we, the Gorkas, which was the best Polish restaurant in town, and it had a nice little bar, but a polite crowd. An older Polish couple owned it, and you didn't want to raise a lot of shit in there. It is, by the way, where my wife and I had an interesting rendezvous that you'll never hear about on air. Never on air. But outside of Gorkas, as I walked out, they had these really nice geraniums. They're in these brown pots, and they're about the size of a 10-quart kettle. And uh, I took it. And uh, I acted like it was my hat, being the clown to the group of 20, which was pretty funny. I don't. And so then I saw up the street a police car. So I pulled uh, the plan off my head 
where I was holding it and hit it behind my back. And when the cop car came up, they couldn't see it. And then we all, the guys, mill, we know all the cops. They went to high school with us. Hey, how you doing? What you guys doing? Be careful. Wow, there's a lot of you. No, we're not driving. No, we're not driving to Fredonia. No, we're just going to keep this in Dunker. Everybody fucking knew. That was a total fucking lie, including the cops. I think the cops actually, I think I got a ride by the cops to go from Dunker to Fredonia. There you go. I vaguely remember this. It might have been another time. But so when they, when I was leaning over, talking into the window of the driver leaning down, me standing. No. I took the pot of no. from behind my back no. and I put it on top of the fucking, the, the high alert blinker right. that the cops turn on. With the police light. Over. Yeah. And so we talked for just a moment and then they pulled off. The most delightful moment up till that time was history making in that fucking plant because the cop was driving carefully and legally. It stayed on there as long as we could see it drive away. Nice. Doing 35 miles an hour with a real slow tag. That was a heavy plant. Right. And the, the light it was on was large enough to hold it quite well. And so that was high hilarity. But you go and you go and you go. But the fight kind of had a real bummer on it. And I ended up in the gutter. It was it was a sad ending. I fell down. It was rainy. and This isn't the, the story empty. where your wife, your future wife found you in the gutter. Oh, but, what a memory you have. That's eh? it exactly. Here before. We've trod, trodden this. Trod these waters before. It's an enjoyable recount. I I, I, I I do recall the sickness, though. It was, I mean, the, here's the truth of it. And I don't want to gross out the... 44 people who now we have listening from Uruguay. But you're going to do a lot of pissing. You'll likely do a little puking. You're yeah. going to put 150 beers in. It's inevitable. But here's the it's thing. It's going to come out both ends. Well. I knew. <laughs> right? Both ends rather than bookends. I, I haven't been an experienced drinker since I was 16. I knew that longevity was going to be reliant on understanding that at certain intervals, I needed to eat certain kinds of food, huh. mostly absorbent things like bread and Aren't pasta and this and that without eating so much that it, 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 it hindered my thirst, Ooh. but more frequent. Can't and, thirst. and also to just the, the camaraderie of the event and all your best buddies who uh, mixed crowd with men, women, of course. I, although do I remember any women? Probably not. No. The, I think the idea of absorbent foods while you're binging is sort of a myth. Uh, I don't about that. I'm living proof. Hey, I'm living. That's proof. Well, shit. I can't argue with that. Well, shit. Well, shit, Albert. Well, shit. So huh? speaking of shit, let me just mention one thing. Uh-oh. Just one thing. Did you see the courtroom, Your Honor? Managing I, the court- I, the, the one, I saw it yesterday. Number eight. Yes. So there there are 10 in total. There, there will be 10 in total. I just saw nine. Yes. I made it halfway through nine last night. Yes, couldn't make it all the way through nine, but I have seen all of eight. With, with this is a couple of insights here, and I where, don't know why I didn't. Where apparently, just without any sort of reference, they just like some people start wearing masks. Yeah. Um, so well, hold on, before you go on your yeah, rant, the mask. The gangster bad guy. Gangster uh, is such. Uh, he's like when you were talking about your badass Italian. He's a parody. Foe. He's like, a fucking caricature. He's he's a caricature of the badass Italian Greek. guy. He's not Italian. He's Greek. Mediterranean. They're all the same down here. He's from Earth. He's he's in the human species. Wait, his he, his grandparents grew olives. Come on, no. But anyway, he's so. Is the way you grow olives is you plant an olive? Is that true? The the part inside the olive that you're not supposed to bite on, except you. Uh-huh. Except in America, it's almost impossible to buy those that haven't been taken out already. Oh, that's not true. My not nearly impossible. That's not true. My parents have, I could go have to struggled. Places right now, Adam. Okay, three within a mile. And why not to go all Jerry Seinfeld on this? But 
why do they call it pitted when they when it have when it pitted olives means that they've removed the pit yes it should be like unpitted olives no pitted actually i don't agree with that but i can see your point pitted being thank the you for act, that generosity the the adjectives that describes digging out the seed yes is called pitting it should be depitting or unpitting what would you call an olive that has the pit in it a non-pitted olive unpitted no are you ready on natural olive olive with pit olive with pit. in parentheses a width is a, a w and a slash right that's it non-pitted is correct to be quick non-pitted is correct okay that's what it's called when the pit is still in it because the act of pitting is that you're mistaking the i think you're conflating the noun and the adjective well, conflating as if, as if the rules don't allow allow for a noun to be one thing and, a, and an adjective to describe it in a different way. In fact, I find your premise exclusionary I think this is bullshit. And, and rather offensive. I apologize to our Mediterranean listeners. But... Or maybe from either Italy or Greece, it doesn't really matter. No, they're all the same. Turkey, fuck it. Cyprus. So on your, on your point about the mask, Yes. remember the scene. This fucking judge, who's more like a, a keystone cop who's schizophrenic, he conspires to get the witness with the broken leg. He gives him drugs so that instead of being killed by the Greek killer, the, 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 the crime family, instead he's taken to the hospital. So it's got a, it's got a, a motive to it that is life-saving. But before he goes into the room alone with the bandit with the broken leg, who is filthy, sweating, hair drooping with wet, sweaty, he's running away from the cops, rolling off of buildings, breaks his fucking leg. His leg looks fucking broken. It's blue, and he's sitting in a chair. The judge, I'm leading up to the thing of the mask, the judge, during this amazing scene, gets down on his hands and fucking knees in some tribute to the fucking celebration of Christ and the washing of the feet and takes the motherfucking boot off the dude's unbroken foot, puts his sneakers on the dude and says, oh, wait, I think maybe you're a perfect fit for my sneakers. Takes and puts on this guy, and puts his own feet, takes his shoes off his own feet, puts them on the guy. He is like right there with this sweating, filthy dude with the blue broken leg. This is what he says before he goes into his chambers alone with the dude who's the fucking drug addict, fucking criminal. He turns to the two lawyers, the prosecutor and the defender, puts his hand up and says, no, don't come in. We're going to social distance. I do not remember that line. That's And he walks into the room and all but makes out with the dude, which we found out later, this fucking cuckoo takes his dog tranquilizers, eight of them, the whole fucking handful of them, puts him in the water and convinces this guy the way not to be nervous on the benches to drink the water. It's so obvious that something's going on with the water. It's just, I, and Brian, here's the point, and I'm going to stop. This is why I've been perplexed by Cranston. I've been thinking of him as the actor who's starring in it. No, he's an executive producer. This is his show. He's the one who put it together and got the, the script together. Well, and, the, and it's his, and he's directing the last episode. Is he now? Yes. That's news to me. Yeah, this the... is his show. That's why all the positive press coming from Brian Cranston. It's not that he's like, does he get it? It's, oh, fuck, it's his. It's, right? Look, some people are better behind the camera, like with your face, and some people are better in front of the camera. And it seems that Brian is better in front of the camera 
Uh, like oh, he didn't direct anything so far, and this executive right. producer is a money guy. Right, right, that, the, right. I understand that almost always, almost without fail, if you see a TV show with someone that from their name, they are also the executive producer right. because it's Reese Witherspoon or or somebody, and you say, oh. I know that person. And then the credits roll. And of course, they're the executive producer because they were convinced enough to act in this and they were convinced, convinced enough to put their money into it as well. Yes, that's absolutely true. The other way to put it is that was a condition of them acting in it. Ah, for, I will only act sure. in something that I can executive produce because you're not, I'm not going to have a fucking argument with somebody about this character, nor how I do it. That oh. going to happen. We can have discussions as executive producer. I'm your fucking boss. Okay. Right. Bosses. And when you see executive producer written alone, it means one thing. But when you see executive producers and three names, right, you might as well understand the three names are assistant executive producers. You're looking for the executive producer who sits alone in the credits, usually with larger print, et cetera, et cetera. This is control. So when True Detectives went from their first Woody Harrelson, uh, what's his ass, Matthew McConaughey opening of the of the series, they became executive producers Correct. of the other two. Correct. And a little good that did them in season two when they hired Vince Vaughn to prove once and for all that his acting skill was pretty limited. <laughs> and he had to do more than just be big. Yeah. Vince has a character. and He, had to, he actually had to do more than be big with a good haircut and wear an impeccable suit. It right. took more than that. It took more than that. But nonetheless, the third season, I think we talked about this. It was astounding. We've mentioned the third season. Yes, all three of the other seasons were worth watching. The first season, of course, was fucking groundbreaking. There's been nothing like that. Except the ending. Yeah, but the rest of it. And second season was like set in... Is, was that the, the Irish guy? Vince Vaughn, big gangster. His wife in the series now is in the Yellowstone. Plays the... Is it the daughter or the wife of the main character in that? Uh, she's a fabulous actress, I think. And not um, not in my memory in a lot of stuff. But you can find her. She's gorgeous. Yes, you're talking about my celebrity crush, uh, Rachel McAdams. No. Ah, she's, she's not in Yellowstone. She's amazing. She was in season yeah, two. Yeah, so I told you a movie to watch that I saw with her in it. Did you watch it? You never did. Which one? You never did. You'd remember it immediately. I can't remember it, but you would have if you had seen it. I have seen, she's, as we have gushed over before, she's the time traveler's wife. Which uh, is the, the, the very uh, heartwarming which is just gorgeous character. Uh, yeah, she is amazing with those little dimples. Anyway, let's not, let's not get off track. <laughs> little, did you say, wait a minute. Did you say little dimples? She's got cute little cheek dimples. No. So do you. I wonder if that's why you like them. Because you see in her face your own dimples. Oh, that's, and we could dig into that a little she, bit. She's a month and five days younger than I am. Perfect. Uh, Perfect. I'm just saying. You'd be her superior then in every way. Yeah, especially in, in, in acting and executive producing. She is, she is a grown You know what I saw the other day that I'm sure you'll appreciate that she was in was a Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman yes. in, in Doubt with none other than the amazing Meryl Streep as a head principal nun. And she was the most wonderful little innocent nun that you'd ever seen on screen. Yes. And yes, I, I, I distinctly remember that movie. Nervousness at, at Making sure that there was tea poured was 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 quite the scene. I that's one of the movies that when I'm journal staffing, journal staffing, yes, that if I see it, I'm going to see wherever they are, and I'll listen to it until I'm bored with it. So yeah, yeah, that's I appreciate that movie. It tackles that weird gray area between what doubt means in Christianity, which is awkward. So excuse me for jumping from that to this because that's a serious topic. This isn't, but I want you to recall this scene. <laughs> 
in, in your honor, where for some strange reason, when the old man, when the old man, what's his name, the, the, the crime lord, finds out his daughter, Fia, short for Sophia, has a boyfriend named Adam, who is the, the son of the judge. He realizes the problem that he has, still thinking that the judge is the killer, not knowing the, 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 the truth of the matter. And by the way, just by the way, on a side note, I want you to remember the scene when they were on the street corner where his son died, yep. and he is threatening and talking to the judge in daylight where there's never anybody on the street corner. It's in the middle of nowhere there where things have been absolutely disrupted by the floods. Look at Brian Cranston's face and tell me that you are convinced as I am that it was while he was free from COVID but still fucking had it. He was no longer allergic, but he still had it. When you see his face, his eyes, his demeanor, you're going to say, nice catch, man. Because we know he was sick right. during the film. Yes. Not that this wasn't, and the director might have said, you know what? Let's go ahead and get a look at that face of yours in <laughs> one of the most tragic moments where you basically are giving up your life for your son because you're now learning that's inevitable. But that look of Brian Cranston and that acting is why I will watch it till its bitter end because Cranston, the actor, is a lot better than Cranston, the executive producer, Indeed. and Cranston, the reviewer who's reading the script, and Cranston, the guy who's supposed to hire somebody to just gauge whether or not the script added up into anything that could pass for something less than just fantastic fiction. But as an actor, I've got, I, I watch it for that moment. Yes. And we will watch it to the end and maybe but not, maybe, maybe not even talk about the end because it's going to be so shitty. Point. Here's the scene. For some reason, <clears throat> when Thea comes home, her dad and her mom are sitting there with a priest and the priest somehow is involved in this family and starts to talk to Fia about whether blah, blah, blah. This is a high school girl. And the priest says, this is what we're going to do. And she says, what we're going to do, we're not going to do nothing. This is none of your fucking business. But one of their, in the back and forth, is the mother, who's such a serious character, reminds me of fucking uh, Mrs. Adams and the fucking Adams family. So she says, do you love him? And somehow that's misinterpreted by Fia as do you love God rather than Adam? Because what Thea says to the priest is this, to her dad is this, you want me to listen to this guy who talks about Abraham and killing his child on the rocks in the mountains. And the only thing that stopped was God. Would you kill me, dad? If mom, mom, would you kill me? If God told you to, why should I listen to him? It reminds me, I would like to take that scene and the scene of Adam dancing crazily in the dark room. Right. And that be the entire series. Just that. Hmm. Three minutes and it's over. Him dancing crazy, her saying that shit, and let's spare us. We'll take the we'll take the view. We'll take the we'll take the scene of Cranston, COVID nineteen Cranston in the corner where he knows that he's giving up his life for his son. Very well, that's poignant. But yeah. We're gonna social distance. One person in the courtroom with a fucking mask on. What in the fucker what? I have a quick little mini topic here. You've twice said poignant. And I'm pretty sure that G is not pronounced in that word. Poignant? I think it's poignant. Check it out. Put it in the show notes. If it isn't pronounced with a G, it is now. And but, I want I'll put it in Wikipedia and then we'll then it'll be done. But but what I what I love about this is on several levels. I have some podcasts that I listen to where people where some of the hosts have taken on mispronunciations from their young children. And continue to say that. Rather than say potatoes, they say ponados. And rather than say... Ponados? Rather than, rather than say uh, basket, they say bastic. 
And so there's this running gag of a bastic of ponedos. And there's another one where they say, rather than interrogate, they say interrogate. Because one time, one of the hosts, one of the podcasters said it wrong. And everyone else just picked up on that. So okay. I like the idea of, 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 of poignant of being one of our things. Being one um, of those. We'll and, have to spread it around. If it catches on in Spain, it's a it's a, And a, the, the other thing that this brings to mind is there are many, like, People that are avid readers for sure have words that, that they have read, but they have never heard spoken. Yeah. Because if you read enough, right. you will have read words and sure. you just guess at how they're pronounced. Or in my case, if it looks like it's difficult to pronounce in my brain, it's like, Bleh. right, sure. <laughs> I just say yeah. worth it. But, you know. the, but, but my, my favorite one of these is a pretty famous radio producer that has recently retired. And his word that was always like this, is that he thought that the word misled was pronounced misled. <laughs> and for the longest time, he read this, uh, reading many books, and he thought, misled, it's, oh man, he told me it was one way, and but I was misled. Like muzzled. Or, or, yeah, but it's just so beautiful. And anyway, that's the thing that I want to put out there, that I, I, well, I, I think of, it's beautiful. One of, word, one of the words that I mispronounced for some time was chasm. And I mispronounced chasm. it. Chasm. Right. And I was with some uh, women who I work with, and, and they were in D.C., and they were what I would call high-minded. And they were they were professional businesswomen from D.C., educated in, you know, name colleges and whatnot. Right. And I remember talking to them as, as a lowly bachelor's of science, where these are PhDs, and to become a school teacher, <laughs> a great school teacher, but nonetheless had decades of learned experience working in the system as what we call a practitioner. Right. as opposed to an academic. And they were more on the academic side. But the mispronunciation of the word chasm, when the woman I was talking to referred to what I had just said, she turned to me and she, she said, because I had said blah, 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 and I think there's just a real chasm between what the research says <laughs> and what we should do and what we should do. Because there's a real world life to this. Right. There's unions, there's wages, there's training, there's leadership, there's all these issues, so there's this big divide. And so when she was saying something in response to that, she said, she turned to me and she said, she was talking to the other women, trying to summarize and make her point, and she flowed her hand toward me and said, or as Dennis would say, the chasm. And she said it in such a way that I interrupted her. And I said, wait a minute. I said, am I mispronouncing that? Because it, it seemed to me to be a deriding comment. And of course, it was. I was. Right. You know, and, you know, and I don't know what her response was to that, but probably simply yes. But then she mispronounced it as if that would somehow, or as Dennis would say, the chasm. And I just, that was 30 years ago. It didn't mean anything to me then. doesn't mean anything to me now. She needs to go back to sh sh stool. Yes. Stool. Stool. No, it's like how, how the British say schedule. Schedule. Mm, schedule. Let me say, you want to see me a week from Friday? Let me say it. Schedule. I say that. They say, oh, I've got to see my mom. Well, that should be to move on. After that, a cup of tea, spot check, and then move on for the day. Yeah, I can make it. It's, it's on schedule. It's on calendar. My, I have to take my kids to shul, and then we can be on the schedule. Shul. 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 I got five kids. I put them all in shul. <laughs> and now the shul wants to send them back to me. Oh, no, no, no. So do you have any remarks about the sporting event that occurred last weekend? I do have some brief remarks. Because I, I, I want to let you about, voice your opinion. About the Super Bowl. And I want to, I'm sorry, but I got to turn it into a rant. 
And the rant That's is my this. favorite, yes. And and I've got to tell you, there's a pre-rant. The pre-rant is watching a, watching a college basketball game yesterday where instead of talking about the game, they were talking about God knows what, so bad that I put it on mute so I could pay attention to the game. They were so fucking distracted. <sighs> but... So I, hate, I hate people talking about sports. Let's go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. Continue. It's a fucking game. Going on. Hey, there was a steal. Did you see it? He just scored a three. You fuckwad. Pay attention. Nonetheless, here's the. That's the pre-rant. More recent, so it's not really pre. It's post, but is a prequel to this rant. Bring it. Where they've got these two, Tony Romo, who I love, probably the best color factual analyst on television today. Knows every play. He was quarterback for years and years. He's marvelous. Excited as, as giddy as a schoolgirl to watch this. Giddy. So he's jumping up and down on, on the balls of his feet in the beginning opening of it. He's so excited about these two quarterbacks and they're, they're Tom Brady you know, the, and a new generation. The story blah, blah, of history. Blah, blah. Yeah. This is what they Fucking Kansas City's ever does. Gets fucking cream. Never scored. Touchdown. He's pressed 26 out of 29 times. The fucking line is fucking broken down. It's a bunch of shit. It's one of the worst Super Bowls we've seen. The announcers. They decide to not only, as they should, talk a lot about other things because the game was boring as shit because Kansas City couldn't and didn't and could and Brady did and did and did. But now they got this moment where Tom Brady, who's mic'd up, he is yelling to the coach, no, no, play it, play, 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 because the coach is calling a timeout and Brady wants to spike it. And what he's yelling is, we find out later, keep playing, keep playing. He's yelling through his mic to his coaches. But as it turns out, they went out. The time's been called. The ref has called time. During that entire moment, moments, minute, whatever, these two fucking guys never sh- fucking shut up. Here it was this moment Sounds like a podcast. where Tom Brady, the captain of his destiny, was yelling at his coach in, in subtext, what the fuck are you doing? We're going to score. Spike it, run it, score it. And they might, they talked right over the top of it. The other one, and there were three, the other one was when the end of the game and Brady, mic'd up with Mahomes, mic'd up, went to see each other and they had an exchange. And the exchange was unknown to us because fucking Tony Romo was describing to us what he probably was saying, which was go get him, kid. And it's Tony, shut the fuck up about what you think they're talking about and let's hear what they're fucking talking about do you think your job is to never shut the fuck up just a few random thoughts yeah you are clearly pretty ambivalent about the whole scenario it didn't matter to me i was barely paying attention <laughs> yeah and i love tony i do but it's shut and nance is no different he's been around forever you'd think he would know better there's a moment and i don't want tom brady to win you think I want to see a motherfucker with seven fucking rings on, dressed like a fucking army captain, a fucking captain of a ship? You want to see a picture of him? Look at the fucking coat that he wore to this formal ball with his fucking necklace guru shit going on, a diamond, and on his lapel were these squigglies that if they'd been on his shoulders as appellates, they would have dig- they would have signified him as fucking admiral of a fucking ship. And he's got on seven fucking rings. No, I don't want he's got on six. No, I don't want him. I don't want that on seventh one. They never liked them beating Buffalo, which they did all the time. I was a Bills fan. There was a whole bunch of, of stuff on Twitter where uh, people were saying, there were some people that were saying, oh, uh, Tom Brady might be the best athlete of all time. And then a whole bunch of responses. I only saw the responses because I only follow the smart people. And there and people were coming back with, you know that Wayne Gretzky had more assists than anyone has ever had goals. Yeah. 
or do you know yeah, that, that no, it's ridiculous or, or do you dude. know that serena williams held all the grand slam yeah. titles twice 10 right. years apart right. and she's Michael the only Jordan, one Tiger, doing yeah. it's not a team sport she was the only one touching the ball and this is and the idea that some just some quarterback just who stupid. plays half of the game or whatever uh and you want to call him the goat qb go ahead it's hard to argue but you better be reading a story about peyton manning before you get too crazy what the fuck he had to endure because of his fucking broken neck for fucking christ's sake Tom Brady is an enigma in the fact that he's a 44-year-old fitness nut who, you know, who's every day of every life, every day of his life, 365 days a year, is a regimen of healthy eating, healthy thinking, healthy sleeping, diet, working out and control. There's a reason that he's worth $200 million. He fucking works at it. That doesn't mean you got to fucking like him. But That's a proper life. That's a proper enough fucking life. I'd I fucking take it. Shit. Well, yeah, That's but fucking... then you'd have to stop doing all the fun stuff. No, not me. I wouldn't. I I do it all. I do the health thing and then this too. This thing we do. I wouldn't stop the podcast. No, this if I is got Tom Brady's job. Welcome, welcome to Dennis is a new quarterback. Now, who would you be the quarterback of, Dennis? The Lions? Uh, the the can you can you the, how far the, can you throw the, a ball? The twenty thirty feet. The the receivers have to come in come in tight. Oh. But and there's another thing. There's a no tackle rule. Right. <laughs> it's, and if I have to have a little sign on my back under my number that says, if you tackle him, he will break dot, dot, dot permanently. Do not tackle. Right. That's okay with me. I would rather have physical longevity than, than dignity. Well, really there you go. Exactly. Which is my point. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, with all of our podcast uh, loot, it's, it's what hard. number are we at, my friend? Of what? Podcast. This is podcast number 97. Ooh, we're getting close to the 100 97. mark. We have three weeks left to watch Moonstruck. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. We're going to learn about Cher and... Uh, Olympia Dukakis. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Sure. All the Moonstruck people. Yes, tune into that episode. That will be super exciting. Should we drink champagne that night? I think. Should we, should I think we play so. romantic music and drink champagne? I think maybe so. I think. I don't know how oh, lovey dovey oh, the, the film is, but. Oh, how we danced on the night that we met. We danced and you pranced and you sat on my lap. Whoa. You kissed my sweet cheek and a tear dropped from my eye. I we we laughed about this on the and air. we danced. Then we podcast alive. Hey, do the chest thing that I taught you. <laughs> you just had a good uh, hollow oh, sound there. That was. Now, after you, don't breathe through your mouth hardly at all. And after you hit it, let your chest do the work. Try it again. Do it again. I hit it. And you then- hit it. My chest does the work, but there's no breathing. Well, there's a certain technique. I have to, uh, hey, so uh, I don't know. This is <laughs> I can't this wait. is getting very I can't sexy wait for you to hear what that sounds like when you go to edit this. No, because it's just a little more than annoying. But <laughs> we'll see. That well, my friend, happen. it's always great to connect with you. Next time uh, we talk, Your Honor will be. Oh, you're honored. And of course, it's not getting a second season. Oh, I wonder why. I wonder if any... I sent you three reviews 
You did. Very negative reviews. Did you scan them? I read I read every word and I was like, so, Dennis wrote this. So but... leave us with this. Tell me about uh, the cartoon you sent me, which will be in the show notes. The Too Late to Dabble. Yes. So this was a New Yorker cartoon where it's two cops standing outside of the White House and oh, no, of a bank, of a bank. And it's clearly there's this guy that's walking out of a bank with uh, bags full of cash. And the guy looks pretty similar to a particularly impeached individual. And the cops say, oh, he's not robbing the bank anymore. Too late to nab him. <laughs> and... That's, not what, that's the spirit of it. That's the spirit of it. it, <laughs> it I, I think they just say too late to nab him. Is the shoot, shoot? He says, ah. shoot. I guess it's too late to nab him. He's already left the bank. Okay, there you go. So, and the the best of it is the Patty. It's so casual where he says, "Oh shoot!" Everybody knows it. But I, I got to say, your recollection of this is that somehow the bandit looked like Trump. I don't think he did at all. Oh yes, Are he you did. Fabricating it. Yes, he did. In, he did. Put it on the chat box. Let me look at it. Can you do that quick? Is it there? There's something in the chat box. What is it? That's probably me saying. Oh, it's you. I'll six be there. minutes left. You're letting your nails dry. Yes, I have to show up fabulous for this. It says there it is. Yes. So the guy says, "Shoot, I guess it's too late to nab him." I know. Um, what's it look like? What's he look like? Is the question not? What did he say? I... He looks like Trump. Skinny Trump. Yeah, I mean, he's skin, a skinny skin. bandit. But look at the hair. Oh, and... I lost it. Here it is. There's some trouble. Oh, okay. I have to agree with you. Okay. I, I miss that altogether. Good for you. Thank you. Good. It's nice to get some praise for you. once in a while here. Uh, Good for you. Just once. In a while. Maybe another while will pass, and then I'll get another praise. But, yes, it's too late to nab him. Can't possibly convict someone after they've done the crime. Because... So I've been in a, in a situation here that is interesting. In that, in the afternoons for the past two days, I've cared for our soon-to-be four-month-old granddaughter. And that happens to be time to put her to sleep and her nap time. And so I've been able to put the television on mute and watch and read the entire proceedings from the impeachment hearings. And it has been... That would put any child to sleep. Yeah, that child was asleep. But, and, it, and I slept a bit, too. I dozed <laughs> off once. But it, the impeccable presentation by the Democrats and the great level... And the, of the broadcasting and the, the, the just the uh, techniques of it are so impressive. Huh. And the dude who was the dudes who were like trying to defend the president, they talked for the first 10 minutes and you would have thought that they were working for the fucking Democrats. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Because the argument was so bad. It was so terrible. And he's talking about replacing him. He was furious. And it's like, what the fuck would you expect? What would you expect from these fucking guys? The, the, it's unconstitutional. No, not true. Here's the record. It's literally papers. there. Historical references when it's happened. This fucking defense team quotes a constitutional lawyer, and they want to portend that what he's saying is that, no, you can't impeach somebody who's not a president anymore. And he was. they were so fucked up. He wrote a tweet yesterday to the world. He who. That said, you don't need to misquote me. That's not what I said. Misrepresentation doesn't help you. There are both sides to this, and your interpretation of what I said is wrong. This came out, and the Democrats showed it just before the guy got up. He never was able to argue that it wasn't constitutional. And he said something like, I rest my case. 
as much as I presented a case at all. And the Republicans said so. The senators interviewed who voted against it, who, who had voted don't on the question of is it constitutional, they voted no, we can't do this guy. They nonetheless said, wow, those guys were fucking terrible. It was so convincing what the other side said, but no, I'm still going to vote. No, I'm staying with the I'm I'm staying with the party, so to speak. Yeah, cowardice. Well, Even the dude from Montana, the rancher who I like so much, he voted no. Republican. Well, well, I'm not a cat. That is one of the strangest things I have seen forever. So, it's so good. So Eric sends me this clip from a fucking a courtroom proceeding of a, a virtual Zoom courtroom, which are all over the countries, all over the world now in the pandemic, where there's obviously a parole officer or a court official and a judge who's sitting there in one of the boxes. It's a three-screen, a three-person images on the screen. Zoom. And he's sitting there not paying attention. Oh, gray hair. looks like a judge kind of guy reading something, not paying attention. And he doesn't quite notice that the, the court staff is talking not to a criminal whose voice you hear, but in a fact, lawyer. Uh, no, it's not a lawyer. It's, it's the criminal. No, it's the, the, the cat was a lawyer. A lawyer rather than the, no, no, the no. accused? Yeah, no, no, he's, he's the lawyer. And he's willing he's, to go through, like, at at one point he says, I'm willing to just keep going with this. I can do my, I can do said, my job as a cat. It, well, we didn't say to folks that he had software on that made his voice and mouth movements come from a cat. No, yeah. And it was an app that he had somehow fucked up. Zoom, and, and, Zoom has a feature now where you can do stupid shit. Like uh, that. Like that. And, and... <laughs> It's just a thing that you can turn on that I guess is like fun for when you're hanging out with your friends because you can't actually be near them with COVID. But he had this, it's called a filter. Like they've been doing this with Snapchat and stuff for many years. But yeah. you can, but the best part is that it uses eye tracking and like visual tracking of your head and stuff. So whenever he nods, the cat nods. And whenever he's like, oh, my settings are turned wrong, and he cuts his eyes to the to one side to look at the settings. The cat cuts his eyes to one side to look at the settings. Anyway. And his mouth moves. This is, but like... His mouth moves. With with, the, with his voice, yes. Uh, but this is every adult that has done a Zoom meeting totally feels for this guy who wants to be professional. He's a fucking lawyer. He wants to do his lawyering, and he wants to get on with whatever proceedings are about to happen. But his computer, like he accidentally clicked a thing on his computer, and now he looks like a cat. <laughs> And it's just the funniest thing ever. <laughs> and and his, his line is a quick thing yeah. where the, the, the staff is saying, well, you know, you seem to be using app, a filter, so there should be an arrow in the lower bottom of your screen. <laughs> and the lawyer says, I'm, I'm afraid that I really, I don't, I've tried, I don't know, I would just as soon go on. Right. And the, and the court staff Let's just continue. Like, and he says, and he says, I would just assume go on because I am in fact, but, but I, I'm not a cat. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. The, the uh, fact that he has to state that, no, I'm really here. I'm not really a cat. <laughs> and, so, and at that point, the judge looks up from whatever he's reading and smiles a little bit, obviously looking toward the court staff to think, oh, here's another fucking nut job. Let's go to the next case. They're doing 40, 50 of these in a day. This is, and that's why it's such a quick clip. Well, I think they probably said after that, no, we can't. We can't interview here when you're the head of a cat. It's too much to expect. Listen, bro, I got to go, man. Meow, this man. This has been fabulous. I, the highlight of my week really is. I will see you next week, my friend. All right. Number 98. Shit, that already? Album. 98 then, man. 98 then, man. Yeah, you, yeah, th- I you know. did the last one. Stone's off. Yeah. Well. 98 then. 98 then, man. 
98 living room. Okay, that's it for episode number 97. You can find the show notes with that cartoon in it at happyhour.fm slash 097. You can help support us at patreon.com slash happyhour. We would love you for you to buy us around. And we would just like you guys to have a great uh, February, you know? Just be cool. We'll see you next week.